It's Scary Movie and a Sandwich, your weekly-ish podcast about comfort foods and scary stuff. I'm your host, Artem. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Scary Movie and a Sandwich. Thanks so much for joining me. I'm so pleased to have you here. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. On this podcast, I pair a favorite sandwich of mine with one of my favorite horror movies. And I share my uh, journey with you in the form of my pairing notes, which I call Artem's Tasty Thoughts. Uh, So this is not a podcast about how movies or how sandwiches are made. This is more of like an experience podcast. You know, you know why I dive deep and digest the secret meanings and the unique themes of each of my scary movies and sandwiches. And in the process, I gain a greater appreciation for both the movie and the sandwich. And sometimes I even learn something new about myself. A little bit about myself. My name is Artem. I am an actor, writer, director, fashion model, tabletop RPG game master, and I love horror movies and sandwiches. Uh, horror movies have helped me get in touch with my my fears and my inner demons, and sandwiches have always just been a comfort to me no matter what I'm going through in my life. So this podcast is a bit of a love letter to my two favorite genres of food and movies. From the bottom of my scary, hungry heart, thank you so much for joining me on this show. Well then, Let's get into it. Today on the menu, we have the all-American, family-friendly peanut butter and jelly sandwich paired with the all-American, demon-family horror drama, Hereditary. The sandwich we'll be enjoying today is a homemade joint. Usually I like to highlight a gorgeous sandwich from a small local business, but for the PB&J, it felt more appropriate to make one myself. I love a PB&J because of how accessible it is. You can buy the fixings anywhere. It's a total DIY delight. That being said, this PB&J is way too fancy. I just ate the most expensive stuff at a local Whole Foods. The bread is crazy. The peanut butter is nuts. In fact... (laughs) I even decided to do two nut butter sammies. I mean, wild. I know, crazy, crazy. Two nut butter sandwiches. Are you ready for that? So what we're working with today is sliced, fresh, walnut, cranberry bread, a buoyant, a fluffy, uh, like a little fun trampoline for your mouth. Uh, And I am generously and lovingly slathering this beautiful bread with an all-organic, crunchy peanut butter. These are the most all-natural nuts you ever did see and ever did taste. For the jam, I'm spreading on some organic, cozy, wholesome raspberry jam. These raspberries are so freaking wholesome and nice and polite. They have been sung lullabies to and told positive affirmations their entire life. Now that's sandwich one, which I'm dubbing the perfect J and PBBB. For sandwich two, which I'm calling the Nut Demon, 
We've got some more of that bouillon to the fluffy walnut cranberry bread, but this time, the bread is a mosh pit for two monsters of mastication and mayhem to duke it out. It's the duel of the century with raw, hardcore, metal-as-fuck almond butter going head-to-head with the equally raw, raging, and ready-for-battle cacao and hazelnut butter spread. A.K.A. like an off-brand Nutella. So freaking raw, so freaking metal, so obnoxious. Both of these sandwiches are decadent and so simple. It's like two or three ingredients. So easy to make, so easy to find the ingredients, so freaking easy to enjoy. I mean, what's not to love? Now, as for the movie, in case you're unfamiliar with Hereditary or it's been a while since you've seen it, here's my patented over 60, under 300 seconds long synopsis. AKA, this is Hereditary in under five minutes. Just FYI for the rest of the show, I've got spoilers, so this is your gentle warning to maybe go and watch the movie and eat a PB&J if you've never seen Hereditary or eaten a PB&J before. Here we go. I present my Hereditary synopsis. So there's this family. There's mom, Annie, the artist, dad, Michael, the lawyer or something, uh, older son, Peter, who's a high school senior, and a younger daughter, Charlie, who's a high school freshman. Annie and Michael, and their kids, Peter and Charlie, okay? And their grandma, Annie's mom, dies. Everyone's feeling a little weird and relieved that grandma is dead because grandma had dementia and it was very difficult to be around in her final days. You should also know that Peter, the older son, has a major crush on a girl in his class. You should also know that Charlie, the younger daughter, makes weird noises with her mouth like this. And makes weird toys out of pill bottles and pigeon heads. And most importantly, Charlie has a big old brutal nut allergy. Now, Peter wants to go to a house party to mack it on his crush. And so he asks his mom, Annie, to borrow the family car. Annie makes him bring Charlie along to the party, even though Charlie doesn't want to go. But Annie wants her to go to try and socialize. At the party, Peter tells Charlie to go eat some chocolate birthday cake so he can get rid of her and slip away to go do bong rips on floor with his crush. <laughs> but that cake turns out to have hella nuts in it, and Charlie has a major allergic reaction. She starts to suffocate. So Peter and Charlie race away from the party to get Charlie to a hospital. On the way to the hospital, they get into a car accident, and Charlie is beheaded, and she dies. That's when shit really hits the fan, okay? Annie is grieving hard. She is super sad about the loss of her daughter and has dreams about hurting Peter, such as finding Peter dead covered in ants or setting him on fire, telling him that she tried to have a miscarriage when she was pregnant with him. Annie decides to confide all these feelings uh, to Joni. Joni is a random friendly stranger who she meets at her grief counseling group. After they hang out a couple of times, Joni teaches Annie how to do a seance to communicate with Charlie's spirit in hopes that it may help Annie's family reconnect with Charlie and help them all heal. Annie convinces Michael and Peter to do the seance with her, although they are extremely reluctant and skeptical. The seance maybe works and Annie's maybe possessed by Charlie's spirit for a moment, but to the rest of the family, it looks confusing as if like Annie's just pretending to be Charlie speaking to them from the afterlife. It's very bizarre. It ends up scaring the shit out of Peter, which pisses Michael off. Now, Peter, okay, is having a very hard time. He's overwhelmed with grief about the death of his sister and that he probably kind of was responsible for killing his sister. He has recurring panic attacks, can't sleep, and he constantly thinks that he's seeing and hearing things, things like uh-huh, and eventually some kind of force or spirit possesses Peter during English class and makes Peter smash his nose into his desk in front of all of his classmates. Meanwhile, 
any witnesses as an invisible force or spirit is drawing pictures in Charlie's old sketchbook. This invisible force is drawing pictures and each picture is of Peter, Charlie's brother, in progressively more and more pain. In a final picture, Peter is dead. Also, there's a smell in the house that turns out to be the beheaded and burnt corpse of grandma, of Annie's mom in the attic. There's a bloody symbol next to Grandma's corpse. Annie recognizes this from some of Grandma's old things. She starts rooting around through Grandma's old things, finds a photo album featuring lots of pictures of guess who? That random friendly stranger from the grief counseling group, Joni. Uh-oh, stranger danger. Joni, same friendly stranger who taught Annie how to do the seance, and Joni, who never once mentioned knowing Annie's mother, very suspicious. Annie, of course, just explained all of this to Michael, her husband, especially about the corpse in the attic, and Michael panics when he discovers, you know, Grandma's, Annie's uh, mother's body mutilated in the attic. He thinks that Annie did it herself. Annie asks Michael, can you please throw Charlie's sketchbook in the fireplace? I am connected to it somehow. Michael has no idea what she's talking about. He thinks that Annie's completely lost her mind. So Annie's like, fuck that, rolls her eyes, throws a sketchbook in the fireplace herself anyways. And that causes Michael to spontaneously combust and burn to death on the spot. Okay? Okay? What? Still with me? Here we go. Home stretch. In the end, Annie gets possessed by an evil spirit and chases Peter around the house. Peter hides in the attic. Annie gets in the attic anyways and cuts off. No, let me rephrase that. Saws off her own head with piano wire right in front of Peter. Peter jumps out of the window, face first, out of the third floor attic, and when he comes to, he's no longer himself, but he's now possessed by Charlie, his sister. But it turns out that Charlie isn't Charlie, but Charlie is actually the return of King Payment, who's one of eight kings of hell, who's worshipped by a cult that's run by Joni, the friendly stranger from the grief group, and Joni has, has been orchestrating this whole thing this whole time. The movie ends in Charlie's treehouse, Peter possessed by Charlie, who's actually not Charlie, but is in fact King Payment returned, surrounded by naked cultists, all chanting, Hail Payment, Hail Payment, end of movie. Well, folks, we're now ready for... That's right. The moment we've all been waiting for. The thing that we're all here for. The world-famous, the globally critically acclaimed Artem's Tasty Thoughts. Are you ready? I am so ready. Tasty Thought number one. I've titled this one, This Family Really Is Nuts. Now picture this sandwich... Fluffy, creamy, crunchy, sweet, savory, rich, simple, satisfying, cozy, easy, relaxing, dependable, wholesome. But what if every time you thought about PB&J, you had to cringe? And when you were face-to-face with a PB&J, you had to back away in panic, horror-stricken, full of dread and fear. Well, guess what? That's how Charlie, one of our main characters hereditary, feels about a PB&J sandwich and all nuts in general. Because Charlie is deathly allergic to nuts, also known as being hella allergic to nuts. I mean, 
how many things have nuts in them? How many things are made with like a tiny bit of this kind of nut oil or that kind of nut extract? And when you take a second to consider how her family has to act and feel around her, always caring for her while being ever vigilant, on the lookout for potentially triggering and harmful foods, allergies, they like, they impact families and whole communities, not just the person who has to live with the allergy. And live with an allergy is a bit of a misrepresentation. It's really surviving. It's struggling to live. So many typical everyday things are just not made to accommodate people with, with certain allergies or people who have certain physical limitations or, you know, an, an a not allergy. Oh my God, a not allergy is bonkers. Truly. It could be so severe that just being in the same room with someone who just opened a delightful, delicious bag of pistachios. Just the fragrance of the pistachio, just breathing in the hint of nuts is enough to trigger a deadly reaction. So what does it mean? Uh, well, first of all, forget about going to a baseball game, peanuts and Cracker Jack. Fuck that. Uh, you probably can't go to the mall. The food court at any mall has so many stalls making so many foods packed with some element of nuts in its preparation. And you know how the smell of a food court will just like drift through the entire mall? Well, there's nuts in that air, okay? A typical mall has nuts present pretty much everywhere in its air. You probably can't go to carnivals. If you live in New York, when you're walking around Manhattan, you probably just need to avoid Times Square and Central Park altogether because there's these roasted nuts street carts that are on every street corner. And also just forget about chocolate altogether. There's just like no way to guarantee that a particular chocolate bar hasn't had some contact with some kind of equipment that might have been used to process nuts. <sighs> and hey, fine, right? Things could be worse. Okay, this Charlie character, she could have been born with her heart growing on the outside of her body or teeth growing on the inside of her ass. Or she could have been born without eyes. She could have been born without even eye holes for her eyes to go inside of. Okay? The othering, the effect of being othered from having an allergy, that sense of just being an outsider, or you're somehow different, or feeling like you're somehow made wrong. Yeah, that sucks. But things could be worse. But then on top of it, Charlie has to deal with all these uncomfortable and secure feelings, coupled with the fact that her family is constantly stressing out over her, doting her on her, coddling her. For the rest of her life, how many fucking times is Charlie going to hear, um, does that have nuts in it, Charlie? Uh, did you check? Is it safe? Are you sure you're allowed to eat that? Do you have your EpiPen with you, Charlie? Day in, day out, never feeling dependent, like you're in a fucking bubble. This family can't relax. The anxiety this family's feeling, the depression, the sense of doom that seems to be just like the theme of this family's life. Man, not allergy is just another shade of this family's bleak daily life. The horror of hereditary is baked in from very early on. This movie is about a group of people, a family, that's living in a constant state of panic and discomfort. And the not allergies just are physical representation of this greater theme of just not feeling at peace or living with the sense of having to expect and prepare for the worst. And that is why, in Charlie's honor, I believe we should eat and rejoice in the PB&J sandwich when watching Hereditary. Because Charlie can't eat a PB&J sandwich. But Charlie, she deserves something in her life that is fluffy and creamy and crunchy and sweet and savory and rich but simple, satisfying and also cozy but also easy and relaxing relaxing, but something that's dependable and also wholesome. Charlie deserves that. So I say, eat this delightful and thoughtful sandwich to remind yourself that things can always be worse. Hey, you could have a nut allergy. And um, uh, if you already do have a nut allergy, I'm so sorry. Um, I'm absolutely not trying to make light of it. Uh, but think, but hey, think of it this way. Things could still be worse, right? Like you could watch your own mother saw her head off in front of you. 
Tasty Thought Number Two. This one's titled A Most Violent Sandwich. I love this sandwich, but making it? Horror show. Something sticky this way comes. No matter what you try to do, there will be a mess. There'll be some remnant on your fingers, on your floor, in your hair, on your clothes, all over you, all over your furniture, your floors, your walls, your life. In Hereditary, it's the violence that leaves some of the most jarring and lasting impressions. There's not too much of it, right? The violence is very sparse. It's not self-indulgent. In fact, it's horrific and shocking and surprising and almost made in a way that's hard to watch. Just like in real life, the violence that happens in Hereditary, once you see it, you can't unsee it. And every PB&J, once you start it, you can't go back. You have to commit. You have to see it through. You need to get it done. From the moment you stick the spoon, the knife, in the jar of PB or the jar of J, there's a struggle to give up or to go on. There's no getting halfway with a PB&J. It's like making a ham sandwich and you pull out sliced meat and you go, oh, you know what, fuck it. I'm just going to munch in some meat. No. Most PB&J sandwiches, once started, become fully realized PB&Js. Okay, that, that is a hard statistic that I have zero research to back up. Most PB&Js, once you start making it, you will go on to finish making it. And if you go on, there will be carnage. Of course, it depends on who's making it. Let's say it's your kid. <clears throat> in Hereditary, the children are some of the key characters. And I'm sure in your life, your kids are key characters in your lives. Of course, I'm assuming you have kids. So let's just assume you have kids, and they are awesome. You are an amazing parent. Wow, look at your kids go. What a bunch of awesome kids you got. Way to go, you awesome parent, you. Let's say you have a wonderful little child who's like seven years old. Hi, I love you so much, my parent, your child says, but I am hungry. But I don't want to bother you, oh parent. You who have given me life, who gives and provides and asks nothing in return, I shall make myself a sandwich all on my own without needing to worry you, my parent. Wow, what an amazing child you raised. Truly, you're doing something really, really right with that kid. We're all very proud of your parenting. But not as proud as you are in this moment, as you behold your incredible, self-sufficient seven-year-old. So off your daring child goes to the kitchen. Ah, watch them go. Oh, watch them thrive on their independence and their self-reliance. Now stop and think. Just think about your kitchen once your child gets going on that PB&J sandwich. Can you picture the fucking carnage yet? The tragedy that is about to unfold in your kitchen? The atrocity? The gore? But it's too late. They're already in the kitchen. They're gone. Your baby's in the kitchen. And it's too late. They've already started on the sandwich. And your kid is a real go-getter. Once they start something, they see it through. So let's see what happens once they start making a sandwich. Prepare for jelly to get splashed across the ceiling. Globs of it oozing slowly, peeling the wall paint off. Chunky, chubby blobs of peanut butter are gonna speckle the floor. And they get smashed into the cracks in between the linoleum, mushed into the floorboards, shoved into that spot where your kitchen counter meets the kitchen, you know, like the, like the crease, where the kitchen counter meets the kitchen floor. Oh yeah. Oh, oh, oh God, and crumbs. Oh, oh crumbs. Crumbs fucking every like an like an ancient battlefield littered with bones the crumbs shall cover every surface and will forever remain unburied in your kitchen the crumbs
house. And of course, your kid, they're, they're going to get shit in their hair, too. And under their nails, up their nose, jelly between their toes, peanut butter in their eyebrows. Your child, they will be marked by this experience, and so shall you. There's no going back now. Your child is in the kitchen, and they're making a horrific mess. Violence? You want gore? You want blood and guts and innards? and cracked bones and brain matter and rendered skin? Do you want violence? Well, you can't do much worse than Hereditary and Peanut Butter Jelly Sandwich. This is an unforgiving film, and this is a brutal sandwich. Also, I hope your kid is very proud of that sandwich they made. Good job, kid. And God help us all. My final tasty thought to you is titled A Peanut Palette Cleanser. This third pairing is, is a really a meta kind of element. You know, it brings everything together. This movie, the experience of this movie is really relentless. And this movie is bleak. This is not a movie that gives up. This is a movie that builds and builds. It's not a movie that really even has a resolution. There's an ending to the story. The story does conclude, but nobody feels better. Oh my God. There's no getting away from the monster because most of the monsters in this movie are unresolved grief, baggage, the trauma of dealing with the, the horror of possibly you're responsible for the murder of your sister or perhaps that you are somehow responsible for putting your kid in harm's way and you have caused your child to be dead. You know, those kind of traumas. I mean, of course, there's there's demons in their bloodline, but like that, that you can, you can deal with that. You know, maybe in another world, in another movie, there would be an exorcism going on. Okay. Maybe there's a, there could be a ritual to rid the demon that could be performed. You know, something, something to transfer the demon to, I don't know, to an evil doll. Not in this movie. No, because the demon part of it is not even the worst part. It's all of this terrible grief and shame and guilt that these characters are carrying. And that is so flippin' bleak. I mean, it is a movie that is dork. It is gray. It is a truly downbeat film. It's as if the movie wants you to feel this sticky, unforgiving sense of being trapped in this reality. There's not a moment of hereditary that I've forgotten after seeing it for the first time. After this movie ends and you're in that deep, dark of despair, pit of despair that in that hole and that you're in that you know that downward spiral of just trying to figure out what the fuck you just watched what the fuck is this world about what's going on you take a breath you know you take a little meditative you breathe in you breathe out and then you shove a pb and j sandwich in your mouth you let that creamy savory rich the fatty the sweet cozy dependable reliable deliciousness that easy memorable the familiar sensation that you get from eating a pb and j sandwich just you just let that wash over you it's the palate cleanser you need to let you know that like there are things that are comfortable in the world there are things that can go wrong but there's also things that can be just just so right like a PBG sandwich. There's some things in this world that are just so right. And that things are going to be okay. And then after you finish the PBG sandwich, you can take another breath and try to process what the fuck it is you just saw. 
And that's our show today, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, this is Scary Movie and the Sandwich Podcast. I'm your host, Artem. You can find me on the internet. That's right. You can find me on social media at Artem or Artem directly. You can pronounce it either way. I'm fine with it. It's A-R-T-E-M. That's A-R-T-E-M directly. Like, you can find Artem directly on Instagram or on TikTok. Artem directly. Again, our sandwich today, uh, we had a, a double header of the peanut butter with raspberry jam and also all raw almond butter with a cacao and hazelnut spread. And that was a DIY joint brought to you by yours truly. Our music today is by Sound Stripe, featuring the following musicians. Dresden the Flamingo, Two Dudes, Fillmore, Hill, Easy, Sons of Anne Harkey. Our absolutely ridiculously good-looking bomb-ass graphic for the show is drawn by Luther Thompson, who is a tattoo artist, a bladesmith, a metal forger, a farmer, a game master, and a podcaster. Follow Luther at X flex luther x on instagram and also you should listen to his and his partner's incredible podcast called hear me out friends with luther and quinn it's amazing they're great they're fucking adorable and um i just i'm i love them i love them your honor and the graphic design also got a little bit of extra love and extra sauce from the most perfect human being on the planet antonia Lassar. And you can follow Antonia Lassar at Antonia Lassar on TikTok. She is doing amazing things because she is incredible. Those are all my friends and lovers. Hey. Tune in in about a week or two or so. We've got another fantastic pairing, some new tasty thoughts for you. I'm so delighted that you're tuning in. How are you enjoying the show? Please let me know. Reach out to me on social media. Let me know what you're eating. Let me know what you're watching. Let me know what you want me to review next, what tasty thoughts you'd like to hear about, which movies and which sandwiches. All right. I hope you check out the next episode. Until then, this is Artem signing off. Stay scared and stay hungry. Stay hungry.